Welcome to the show. This is Zero to Hear podcast. Welcome back. Uh, on today's episode, my good friend, Dr. Nav Sodi. He's a very entertaining guy. We've been friends for quite a while. Uh, we kind of dig in, and I never really got this story, so it was uh, <clears throat> interesting to hear it from him as well. We got into his uh, journey through optometry school. He went to Boston, lived there for four years, kind of traveled across the U.S. as well in different internships and that kind of thing. He talks a lot about uh, just the experience in Boston, living with four dudes, going through med school. It is a very expensive process, but he is doing very, very well now, working at one of the top five clinics in BC. So you get to hear a little bit about his story. Enjoy. Nav, I'm so excited. Oh, uh, me too. <laughs> We've been talking about this for a while. I know. And on the day of a Raptors game. That's true. I feel like we have to start by talking about Raptors. Yeah, I think so. First of all. Uh, have we started? Yes, we have. Oh, hey. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Would you prefer that I introduce you as doctor? Of course. Okay. Much more fun that way. Doctor Nav. Navjeet? Navjeet, yeah. Doctor Navjeet Sodi. That's me. What's the correct correct pronunciation of your last name? Uh, you're asking the the whitest brown guy. Here. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's like Sordi. Like I'm, a DH gonna... makes like its own D. I don't know. You're asking the worst person. Like my dad can explain it. <laughs> I'm Navsodi. I think my first name is pronounced different too. To be honest, <laughs> I think it's like Navjeet, but everyone calls me Nav. It's just yeah, pronunciation. <laughs> All right. In social situations. This is something actually I want to talk about. Yep. Now we'll get into Raptors. The term doctor. I understand it takes a shit ton of schooling and a lot of time, money, energy to earn the name doctor. Mm -hmm. But it's a bit of a prestigious thing, isn't it? Absolutely. Like people that go through it, when you introduce, especially when it's like a friend. And it's like, hey, this is my buddy Nav. And I've, I've met other people that I would introduce them as, I'd be like, hey, this is my buddy Nav. And immediately Nav would be, it's Dr. Sodi. Is that a thing? I would never say that. Okay, I know you wouldn't. Um, but I think for some people, it's just a self-confidence issue yeah. where you really define yourself by that, that role of being like, hey, I'm Dr. Sodi. You can't just say like, hey, I'm Mike. Yeah. Uh, for some people, it's like that. And I think it's just how they define themselves. Uh, like, for me, myself at work, I always introduce myself as Dr. Sorry to patients just because I'm in that role. It makes and, sense in a professional environment. But sometimes right? because when I meet people like in the elevator, like this is really embarrassing. Like three weeks ago, I went to go shake a girl's hand and I said Dr. Sodi by accident. <laughs> I must have looked so ridiculous. It was just, I'm used to like, I meet 20 people a day, 20, 25 people a day. And I introduced myself as Dr. Sodi. Then I, I was on the way to work in my work clothes. So I kind of just said Dr. Sodi and yeah. she looked at me and I was like, God, yeah, this is going nowhere now. <laughs> I don't mean any disrespect by this at all. Yeah. It's more just like a human curiosity yep. of why, why is it such a thing kind of thing? That I, I can't do really you, say. <laughs> do you know if it's like different specialties? As in, uh, I think it's actually the individual. It's it, just, yeah. you know, you spend so long working towards it. It's mm. kind of how you build your own worth. Yeah. And that's how you, that's what you, you say. Because even I think it's douchey like, personally. Like I always hate when you guys introduce me as. You said it, not me. I know. I know. 
you like so sometimes you guys introduce me as like this is Doctor Sodi. I'm like oh, to God. friends. Yeah, it's more of a joke. <laughs> I know it's hilarious, but <laughs> I was like, damn it, they probably think you're serious. Yeah. But uh, no, I think it's douchey. But some people definitely do that, and uh, I think it's douchey. Do you think it's more in the medical field? As in, because we've had a couple scientists on yep. the podcast, and both of them I asked just out of courtesy, really, yep. before the show, say. Would you like me to introduce you as Doctor, you know, whatever their yep. name is, or your first name, John, whatever? And both of them were like, "Oh no, I don't care. Just like say my name." <laughs> I think it's a hundred percent like a medical thing as is well, it? just because it's how we're always introduced. And yeah, fair enough. There's still that that kind of um, like you know, prestige with being a doctor, so they people love to be called it, and I love it too. <laughs> I, I absolutely love it. My sister comes in; she can't see me until she calls me Doctor Sodi. <laughs> they don't ever do it and the staff doesn't let them do it either but I, I try to make that happen <laughs> I went into your office the other day I don't know I think I was picking up contacts or something oh yeah <laughs> I walk up to the front desk I'm like hey is Nav here <laughs> 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 and, and the woman kind of looks at me confused she's like uh, I think Dr. Sodi just went out for lunch let me check <laughs> but it's so confused. It's really funny because my parents come there. Like they would never call me Doctor Sodi, but they wouldn't. No, like they would, but only to friends and yeah. to introduce me. And sometimes they'd be like Doctor Nav, like our son. But uh, whenever my dad comes in, because he comes in like once a month, every time he goes, he comes in, he's like, "Hey, I'm uh, I'm Doctor Sodi's dad," and it just cracks me up because half the time there, and it just it just it's so funny when he says that because it's your dad. And it's weird hearing your dad say. Dr. Sodi's dad. <laughs> and he raised me. I'm an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> they must be pretty proud. Though. Oh, they are. They are. Like, okay, let's say partially shocked, but mostly proud. <laughs> Everyone's a little shocked. Let's be real. <laughs> let's be real. <laughs> but you've been wanting to do, to be a doctor for a long, long yep. time. Okay, we're going to get into that. Can we talk quickly about the Raptors? The Raptors are currently up 13 to 7, halfway through the first quarter, or a few minutes in the first quarter. Is tonight a must win? They got to win tonight. The series is 1-1. Durant is out. Thompson is out. And uh, DeMarcus Cousins. One of the other guys is out. Is Looney Uh, out? Looney is out. Oh, Looney's out, yeah. For the whole series. Oh, really? Yeah. Really? DeMarcus Cousins is just getting back from injury, and and Steph didn't look too hot last game for the first half, so they got to win this this game because as soon as Kevin Durant comes back and Clay's back, it's much more different. Ball game. What's the status on Durant? I think they're looking for game five. But I mean, if, if, they Ra- said if, if the Raptors get three early in the season, do you yeah. think it's just going to, or early in the series, do you think it's just going to keep getting postponed? I think, I What's think his it's worse more, than it is. Yeah. I think so. It looked like an Achilles when he did it, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not. That's not what they say. Yeah. Right. But you never know. Like a couple of the clips, like highlights and stuff of him, like in the locker room, whatever, you see that he's still limping a little bit. Mm. They've shown that. Yeah, oh, I haven't seen that. We're like, what? Where uh, Clay Thompson was talking uh, shit to Drake. That's <laughs> all. <laughs> so, uh, that was great. That's the, that stuff is such good publicity, though. Yeah, Drake is. You know, okay? Can, does any other stadium have this? In Toronto, they have floor seats, then like the scorer's bench, and then Drake's the seat. other bench. There's like four chairs. There's between, four like, chairs. Yeah, it's so just cool. made for Drake. And his three friends. I don't know, dude. <laughs> but last game, I think game two was, it was like him and then three people that 
look like they didn't know him. Like one was like a 12 year old white kid. Like <laughs> how did he get invited to Drake's seat? I have no idea. I think honestly, Drake just has those two seats and those other two is someone else. Yeah. Every like, game he's in those two seats though. I think most games. Yeah. Does he own, is he a part owner? No, no. He's, he's, he's the ambassador. I don't fuck? know what that means, but it's like a woman that wears tight Lululemon shirts. Just an affiliation, kind of <laughs> yeah. I guess. Yeah, Lululemon ambassador. I think that's just a name coined, like to it's promote just like stuff on yeah. social media, basically. Hundred percent, yeah. Influencer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ambassador sounds so professional. Nav, what do you ambassador of? Uh, good eye care health <laughs> <laughs> and partying. What? <laughs> what made you choose optometry? Uh, so that's a, that's a good question, actually. So I, I don't know the answer. So history on Nav and I. I love Nav. Do, I love Doctor Sodi. Please call me Nav. <laughs> <laughs> How long have we been friends? I don't know. Seven uh, or eight years, maybe seven or eight years. Yeah. yeah. And I've never asked you this question. Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, so pretty much, when I was uh, when I was young, I was young, want to be in healthcare just because. Uh, for anyone that knows me, I like to help people. I'm a pretty caring person. And uh, I don't, I don't, we have like a family friend and he is probably one of the coolest people I've, I know. He just has the lifestyle I want. He's a really awesome guy. And growing up, we always go visit him at his clinic. And he just loved his life. He loved his job. He had such a good balance of everything. And every time I talked to him, he was just so engaging and fun. And then compared to like other parents, doctor friends, they're not as, as fun. <laughs> they're more serious. They're more uptight. They're really, just really like really straight cut, straight cut right they introduced themselves as doctor yeah. when your friend did not yeah exactly and it was <laughs> no, our family friend he was just such a interesting guy he's such a cool guy and uh, i love what he did so it was always in the back of my mind and then when i was in uh undergrad i decided actually to go volunteer in india for a little bit i don't know if i ever told you this so, briefly but i'm very interested yeah in i was volunteering with a neurologist and then uh, another doctor for a bit i remember seeing a lot of people die in a short amount of time and I was like, this is stupid. Like, I hate seeing people die. I just feel miserable. And kind of came back to Vancouver. And I was like, I don't know what I want to do anymore. And then I always had optometry in the back of my mind because of my uncle. And uh, what I did was I pretty much started work, working in a clinic. And as soon as I started working in a clinic, I was like, this is amazing. I can mix both the, the healthcare aspect with the business side, for me, which is, which is really big as well as the quality of life and the lifestyle is just amazing. I, I can really work a nine to five, even though I'm in practice, I can, uh, I'll be busy with that, but I can I have all those opportunities to do more than just uh, see patients. Plus with um, certain doctors, you're working, you know, 12, 16 hour days. I don't have the, that same demand that they do. And I have a lot more opportunity. Plus the second reason, which um, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, but my sister, oldest sister, Sharon, she had like a brain tumor when we were growing up. And um, that, no. uh, so the type of tumor she had was like, like a pituitary tumor. So it's, uh, it pushes right on her optic tract. So she actually got diagnosed when she was, uh, went to go see her optometrist. And he diagnosed a tumor in her brain. And I was like, there's so much more to vision and to eyes than just, sorry, so much more to eyes than just vision. So when I kind of realized that that's like who saved her. It was really cool to me. <laughs> and then I, I just started working in a clinic, loved what the whole career was about, and then went from there. For the record, Sharon is okay. Oh yeah, she's great. Yeah, uh, she got she did take a year or two off school, and then she's mm. she's fine now. <laughs> this is like years ago, but she's she's doing great. When was the uh, 
what do you call it internship yep. in india that was uh that was during undergrad yeah i was working in a in you had a, already know at that point you already knew that you wanted to do optometry no healthcare i knew healthcare, healthcare. i didn't okay. know what i wanted to do okay. exactly uh so that would have been like 2010 i was actually doing like a science co-op where i was working in an environmental lab actually just down the street from here and i was mixing soil samples and i absolutely hated it <laughs> I, 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 like literally mixing soil samples for eight hours a day listening to this old motley crew album on repeat <laughs> And I was like, I need to be with people. I need to be doing something useful. So I quit. And then I went to just volu- went to India with my, with my mom and then volunteered. And that was 2010, end of 2010. And then 2011, I started working in a clinic and worked there for two and a half years while I was applying for school and then went to Boston in 2013. What type of environment were you working at in India? So it, there's two. There's a really poor hospital uh, where you know people would save up a few dollars to see a doctor but they wait so long uh that by the time they got there they were just like gone uh or it was very severe where had they come earlier it would have been great because they could have been treated earlier but now it's it's so late in the game that they're just affected their conditions too late to be treated um and the second one was actually a cardiologist and it was a cardiologist for the rich people very different because people would be like uh my my uh, chest hurts a little bit i think i have a i think i'm dying and it's like no you're just you don't work out. <laughs> you have no physical ability. So uh, it was two very different things there. And I remember at, at the, the cardiologist, uh, one of the poor people came there and she didn't have any uh, money for healthcare there. And, you know, like I think they were charging 20 bucks at this premium care clinic. She didn't have it, the money. So she just said she died in the waiting room. I was like, this is messed up. I know India's probably the worst place to look at healthcare compared to Canada. But at the same time, I, it just wasn't for me. And I, I realized that pretty early on. But I knew I wanted to be in that type of field. So you decided on optometry mo- like a lot because of your uncle? He was a big influence. And then mm-hmm. my sister, everything she went through was uh, a big influence as well. And then uh, just after working in the field, because for me, I thought just working in a clinic would give me some really good exposure there. See if that's actually what I wanted to do. And it, it was. Is there a lot of optometry schools? Uh, so there's 21 in the States. And there's two in Canada. One English speaking, one there's French speaking. There's only two? When you think one about is the, French? Yeah. So there's only one. Yeah, really. There's only you one. can't speak French. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when you think of the population, there's like you know, 350 million people in the States, and there's yeah. 20 schools, there's 35 uh, 35 million people here, there's yeah. two schools. So fortunately, yeah. it makes sense, but our healthcare system is just a lot better here. Where are the two in Canada? Uh, one is at Waterloo. Uh, that the English one? Yep, that's the English one, <laughs> an hour and a half of, north of, um, an hour and a half north of Toronto. And the second one's, I think it's University of Montreal or McGill or somewhere in, in Quebec. And it's 100% French. 100% French. So you didn't even apply there? I didn't even apply anywhere in Canada, to be honest. You didn't? No. Uh, no, sorry. Sorry. I could have applied to Canada. I They were strongly encouraging me to, but um, sorry, optometrist, if you're listening, but uh, Waterloo doesn't have the best program. It's uh, an old program, so they don't put you in clinic until your fourth year. And pretty much every doctor I talked to here said, don't even waste time applying for Waterloo. So I went straight to uh, States because uh, the level of care is higher there. The scope of practice is higher as well mm-hmm. as like, for myself. I went to, I, I seen patients my first year and you see patients or you get better as a doctor by seeing patients, for not sure. by learning in the classroom. For sure. Uh, so, you know, by my second year, I was, I had my own exam room and I was seeing patients like six patients a week. Not a lot, but. 
cool yeah. to get experience right away. Whereas like in, in Waterloo, you don't see it till your fourth year. And that was, that was a big reason for me. It's cheaper and it's in Canada. But at the end of the day, um, it's just so much better going, uh, going to the States. Also, I would have had to wait a year and I didn't want to do that. So it looks like the, the lost income for a year versus waiting a year to go to Waterloo. And it, it made sense just to go to the States. What's the process like to get into? Um, so pretty much there's the, the first thing is the, um, the optometry admission test. So it's like the MCAT, mm. but from optometry. Okay. Uh, then after that, you just do your application online. And then uh, that's a database that all the optometry schools in Canada and the U.S. are connected to. Then there's interviews and you get in. How many interviews did you do? Uh, so I did one in Boston. That was my first interview. I got in. Love the school. Love the city. It was, it was actually amazing. And then um, I canceled the rest of my East Coast interviews. I also applied to a school in Chicago, New York, Philadelphia. Go Eagles. And uh, I think just those three on the East Coast, on oh, in Boston, and then um, Pacific over in Portland. And I, I, skipped, I skipped the rest of the East Coast ones. Went to Portland, didn't like it because Boston school was downtown and I'm a city person. And Pacific school was, uh, or Portland school was 45 minutes outside Portland yeah. in farmland. And I was like, you know what? <laughs> this is not me at all. And I kind of realized that at my interview when we were trying to go for some drinks the night before. And there's not a single bar that was open past 9 p.m. <laughs> so I was like, this is not going to work for me. <laughs> Let's be real. So pretty much uh, Boston was a, a no-brainer there. So you decided on Boston, obviously. <clears throat> How long is that schooling? It's four years? Uh, it's four years. And there's an optional choice for residency afterwards. Uh, I didn't do the residency. Uh, it's like four years, yeah. I just noticed they're up by 10. This is great. <laughs> Raptors are currently up 26-16. Three minutes to go in the first period. Why did I say period? What the fuck does yeah. that mean? Who are you, dude? <laughs> first, first quarter. Sorry. <laughs> I just looked up and I got really distracted. Sorry for that. <laughs> These podcasts get posted like a couple weeks after they actually air or actually after we tape them. So today is June 5th. It's, it's game three of the Raptors <laughs> and, uh, final series. This is a fucking big series, man. I'm also ho hoping for a special number for the podcast. Uh, we'll see if Denny gives it to me or not. Yeah, we'll save it for you. <laughs> <laughs> You'll know when you li start listening to this. Yeah. People. <laughs> How big is this for Canada, Carl? This is huge. I mean, <laughs> especially with the NHL, zero Canadian teams left, right? I mean... When was the last time the Can a Canadian team won a big sporting event? Obviously, Montreal. It would be, it would be the NHL. I think so. 94? It's been a long time. Like 25 years? or something, yeah. What about the Blue Jays? When was the last time they won? Is that math correct? I don't think the, the Blue Jays ever won. Yeah, the Blue Jays won early 90s. 91? Okay. So they won, so. Didn't they win back-to-back? 91, 92? 90, Something like that. That's a little out of my league. <laughs> something like that. Anyway, yeah, early 90s. So it's a, been a long time. Mm -hmm. Did you see uh, the Raptors franchise is worth uh, $2 billion right now? American? Really? Yeah. Bring back the Grizzlies, man. You know what? <laughs> it wouldn't be a bad place to play. Like if they brought a team back here? No. Well, anywhere in Canada. Toronto or Vancouver, really, mm -hmm. are the but only like, two cities that would even be close every, to get Everyone who plays in Toronto just loves the city. Everyone comments about it and just has positive things to say. We'll so, see if Leonard stays. <laughs> one of... Uh, one of our friends from high school, Kyle Turris, 
played for Ottawa for a lot of a lot of years in the NHL, and you get paid in American dollars. So that's like twenty five percent extra right there, right? Yeah, thirty percent right yeah. now. Like it's a lot different. De- depending on the state, like I say, you work in Florida, you're not paying state income tax, which is huge. Right. But I guess in in most cities in Canada, comparatively to the states, your cost of living is going to be a lot higher. Like the amount, like let's say you buy a house in Vancouver, you're spending one point five yeah. million dollars. Yeah. Whereas if you buy a house in Nashville, where Kyle is now, completely different, three hundred and fifty yeah. grand. But if you get drafted the Knicks, like, oh, yeah. you live in New York now, so that you're renting. Yeah. You're not. You're, you're probably renting. not buying. You're probably not buying an eight million dollar condo. Seriously. Yeah. <clears throat> what are the Raptors' chances of winning? With all these injuries, it's one one right now. Yeah. Two of their stars are out. Yeah, I don't know. I still Two say like their... 50 50. Yeah, yeah. If Kevin Durant and like if all those guys were full health, it, I mean they win in five games. I don't think the Raptors have a chance. Mm. What did Clay do? His hamstring. Yeah. Uh, sounds weak sauce to me. <laughs> <laughs> what was Boston like, Nav? Boston was you were there for four years? Uh, Boston for three years, and then the last year was traveling all over the states. Uh, so I was so Boston three years, and uh, three months in Minnesota, three months Miami, three months Beverly Hills, three months uh, Long Island. Sounds like a tough life, hey, Carl? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Boston was amazing. Uh, I was actually a little nervous going there because right when I, when I, when I went there, the Boston Marathon bombing happened about three months before. Jeez, okay. And you know I'm Canadian. I grew up here, and I'm I'm brown. I didn't know what it'd be like to go there uh, to live in the states. And pretty much right when I got to Boston, uh, first of all, I had some great roommates, which really helped. And like, within two days in Boston, I realized everyone around me is running. Everyone around me is very educated, and on the water. So this felt just like Vancouver. <laughs> and the cost the the cost of living there was ridiculous. So it really felt like Vancouver. I think it's high in Boston. Oh, it's ridiculous. The, oh, really? we, we rented a uh, 140 year old apartment downtown, maybe about 1400 square feet. Uh, I was living in a converted living room and my other roommate was living in the, in uh, kind of the kitchen. <laughs> and uh, we paid 5,000 us for that for four, between four people. How many bedrooms? Uh, technically two bedrooms. So it's two bedrooms plus two other people. Yeah, plus like the living room, which my room was actually the size of your apartment here, like 300 square feet with 12 foot ceilings. And then the other one was... This apartment's 825 square feet. Just, so. just this room here. <laughs> Sorry, just this room. It's like 300 square feet. What are you I mean, talking about? Just this room, one room. And then um, the fourth guy, he we had a really big kitchen living room, so he turned half the living room into a bedroom. Kind of weird, but... We paid twelve hundred each, so it was pretty good. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of US, money. That's crazy. US twelve hundred US a month. Yeah, we, our parking spot we rented out for <clears throat> six fifty US a month. They like rented it to someone else because it was included. That's insane. Is this like all of Boston or like specific? <clears throat> this regions? is downtown Boston. Okay, okay. Like we live right in the core, right by. Um, so like the nice, nice area, yeah. kind of. Yeah, and yeah. the area we were in was it's kind of like Gastown, where it's all old, hundred twenty old brownstones. Gotcha. Right, right, right. Uh, but it, that's where our school was, so we were right across the street from school. That's expensive, man. Yeah, but Boston is a cool city because uh, well, a lot of people don't know about Boston. Like, you imagine those Boston accents and all of that, but Boston is maybe twice <clears> the size <throat> of downtown Vancouver, the entire city. Population is about half a million, but you have, I think it's 88 universities in there, and then you have... Ha- uh, 88? 88 universities. That and doesn't it, even make sense. Yeah, it's ridiculous. You have like you know, the New England... 
you have Berkeley School of Music, you have the New England School of Journalism, New England School of Photography, New England College of Optometry, great school. Uh, you have Boston University, Boston <laughs> College, Harvard, Tufts, all these big schools. They're Northeastern. And then uh, of that population of half a million in Boston, 300,000 are students. And then 200,000 are really either old rich money or professionals. So it's a, it's a very unique city because you have, uh, it's not exact, it's nothing like family guy or what you imagine on, on TV. <laughs> That's all like, you know, out in the burbs. But the Boston itself is just an amazing place. And everyone there, like because of the Boston Marathon, the Harvard Regatta, everyone there is very fit and educated. So it's it's a really cool spot. I'd guess it's all condos downtown. Yeah. What what is real estate like there? Um, it, that's one place where it actually makes more sense to buy than to rent. Uh, but you know, interesting. It, just because uh, I think I remember looking at things and it's like five six hundred for a one bedroom, or you're paying twenty five hundred for to rent to rent U.S. dollars. And I guess it's kind of like Vancouver. Oh, no, no, it's not Vancouver. Vancouver being Maybe similar downtown. Downtown, you get a one bedroom for like six, six fifty. I remember looking at, uh, before I moved to the roommates, I actually went to Boston <clears> to go look for a place to live. And it, uh, the place I was looking at were about 120 square feet studios. The bathroom I was about two feet by two feet. I remember trying to stand in it. Really got, uh, Hold the realtor on showing a me. second here. 120 square feet for the entire apartment? Yeah. And it's a studio. And Where was this? This is in Boston. This is downtown Boston. And the worst part was it's about fourteen to fifteen hundred US. And I looked at this. It's like, like, what did I get myself into? What am I going to live here? Is there a kitchen? Uh, it's a kitchenette. <laughs> so it's a hot plate and a mini <laughs> fridge. It's Dude, that's just like a big room, a big bedroom. It that's is. That's a small bedroom. And it's also like twenty square feet. It's like ten by twelve. Yeah. I don't know the ones that they're making right now. <laughs> <laughs> And I remember the bathroom was just so tiny. They're all stand like it's a standing shower, and then you can barely open the door. It was uh, it was frightening. How many people live there? One person. Okay, good. <laughs> God, Jesus, you, good. But that, that's one thing that I never realized in the states. Uh, you you went to school in the states, so you probably know about this. But you know, I got offered to go to Boston University. Dude, you would have loved it. <laughs> you would have loved it. Yeah, they uh, wanted me to walk on though, so I oh. have to pay like forty grand a year to go to school. I, I can't. <laughs> don't get me started on the cost of tuition in the states, oh. but uh, I completely lost my train of thought there. And we were talking about one hundred and twenty square foot unit. Oh yeah, one Boston. thing that blew my mind was uh, you know people in the states they, they have like doubles and triples, like two people sharing a room are a very common occurrence there. And people sharing a room. Yeah, when you're in college, did you share a room your first year? Like two double, two two twin oh, beds yeah, in a room. Yeah, in a dorm. In the dorm. That's yeah. messed up. That's 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 weird to me. We don't have that in Canada. <clears throat> you know our <laughs> our biggest disagreement was what we'd watch on TV at night. Was it like as we're like going to bed? <laughs> yeah. Seriously, <laughs> that was the biggest disagreement. It it was with another guy on the basketball team for me, but he left after the first semester. Yeah. He. uh one of his brothers was, I went to North Dakota. He, one of his brothers was at, I think, South Dakota State. Yeah. So he transferred to South Dakota State after the first semester. And so I had the room to myself, which was amazing. Yep. Except that he brought the TV. Oh, no. <laughs> so he took it with him. So I had to buy a TV. But after that, it was great. My I old, brought the fridge. Yeah. So the fridge stayed. My old roommate, Doug, he went to school in uh, Idaho. And he had four people living in a small room. Uh, like 200 square feet, four people. That's that's kind of messed up when you're an 18 year old college student and so, so you meet a cute girl. You have to introduce her to three guys that, that are in the same room. 
Yeah, it's messed up. Yeah, America. Is that one of the sock on the door type of situations and everyone just understands that they think have an agreement? I don't think you're ever going to have your room empty. <laughs> there is no door, dude. <laughs> Seriously. There's <laughs> a big common area. Like a couple of pieces of drywall up. Yeah. Just a square room. <laughs> I, I could not do that. It would be so awkward. Just You wake up and like Steve's just staring at you. Can you, <laughs> can you imagine this? Me, you, and Alex sharing a bedroom together. <laughs> I would kill Alex. Yeah, me too. Kill first, the first night, I'd kill him. <laughs> <laughs> what was your first impression of Boston? First impression? You loved it, It was hey? amazing, yeah. yeah. Uh, it was just such a cool city with so much history. It's one of the first cities in America, right? So it just has so much history to it. Vancouver is pretty, it's a new city, so the oldest thing here is maybe like 150 years old, unless you look at like totem poles and things like that, but there, like, the place we lived in was 140 years old. We had this old boiler room, which is, like, the apartment itself was renovated inside, probably in the 60s, but the boiler room wasn't touched since the 1800s, like, late, I think it was built in 1880, and we called it the Hernandez room, like, after Aaron Hernandez, <laughs> because if we're going to hide a body, that's where we'd do it, but it was, like, the creepiest room, because it's, 130 years old you walk in it's cobwebs everywhere and it's just it's cold and damp and scary and that's what boston's old it's scary there's times when i was walking around we went to like salem massachusetts where the witch trials were and it's creepy there like it's not it's uh not a comfort it's not um a place i'm used to growing up on, on, on the west coast vancouver there's so much history there it's cool though carl can you take the beer out of the freezer oh yes <clears throat> Also, can you get me another beer? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Did you ever have any, like, I've never been to Boston. Yep. My understanding of Boston is mostly listening to Joe Rogan's podcast and talking about com- comedy and comedians growing up in Boston yep. how hard there. You ever have any scary situations there? Because um, the closest thing I've been to Boston is New York. Very different. They're very different? Very different. But New York on the subway at night in the Bronx is sketchy. In Boston, downtown Boston, we never had any scary situations. I don't think. If they were, I was drunk and I've completely forgotten about them. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I was drunk in a lot of Boston. <laughs> That's kind of how you, how you do optometry school. You drink heavily for three weeks, then you study heavily for three weeks. And it's just a constant repeat cycle. But uh, I, I can't think of any scary situations. I never experienced any real racism there. Met some really interesting characters, that's for sure. No racism, eh? That's None. I, that's I, awesome. To be honest, I don't think I've ever really experienced racism in the States. I lived in a lot of different cities, and uh, I've probably experienced more here, to be honest, in, in Vancouver. But and I think about it, I can't think of any place in the States where I've experienced any racism, except maybe like, in Minnesota, people were really friendly, like really friendly. And they're like, oh, you're Indian. I love Bollywood. I love butter chicken. They just got talking about like <laughs> Indian things. And like, you know, are like Indian actors or Indian. That's a really that. white state. It's though. just like it reminds me of Minnesota. Get Out when they're like, oh, like you're, you know, you're black. You like Kobe Bryant, don't you? Or basketball. It's like <laughs> talking about anything else. Like I'm a pretty, like, you know, I grew up here. All my friends were white. I'm pretty whitewashed in general. As all my brown friends will attest to. But uh, that's the one thing in Minnesota where they would always come up to you and just start. If I say I'm Indian, they'd be like, saying everything they know about India. It's all like over the top almost. Yeah, and you're like, you're being too nice. I feel like this is get out. This is weird. <laughs> I went to a couple uh, like 
dinner party, like not dinner parties, but barbecues and things. And when I saw Get Out, I was like, this is Minnesota. People are too friendly, too nice. And I think they're going to like kidnap me as a child. <laughs> but yeah. What, what, what was optometry school like? Is it a big time commitment? Yeah. I, so like I did a sciences undergrad at SFU. And um, I used to think like undergrad was hard. I did my first semester of optometry school. And I've never studied that hard in my life. And then the second semester was even harder. So it was definitely difficult because it's, it's more of a time commitment ever than I've ever realized in my life. And it's uh, so physically and not meant, sorry, mentally intensive where when I was an undergrad, I didn't really have to learn what I was doing. I just had to memorize it and <laughs> write a test. Whereas here, I'm talking about these diseases for the rest of my life and mm-hmm. people's health care is in my hands. So I actually have to learn it. I have to know what I'm t- doing and there's a lot of responsibility involved with that. So I, I really gave it my all and it was it was tough. Like we definitely had a lot of fun while we were doing it. But luckily the other roommates I had, we had a good understanding of work and life balance. <laughs> Our school and life and party balance. Like probably a little too dangerous, but we all did really well. So it, was, it worked out. I want to hear about the life part. The life? <laughs> well, let me just say we had a kegerator in Boston. We found a fridge on the road and we decided... <laughs> <laughs> we decided... But we're at Mike, Mike's a, they're all beauties, but uh, we decided, you know, we should, he actually decided, we should build this, uh, we should get a CO2 tank, get a, a tap handle, <laughs> and uh, let's just make a kegerator. So we did that. You just found a, a fridge on the road. I think, yeah, I think him and his dad were walking, well, in Boston <laughs> in general, like, you walk down the street and you just find furniture. So like two of our couches we found in the alley. <laughs> just stuffed It's stuff. called like Wednesday morning, you just go there, and it's like, because everyone there is paying a stupid amount of money to live there. So the furniture you get is actually really nice. <laughs> so we found this like beautiful couch on the street. And because it's only been like an hour, the rats haven't got to it yet. So we bring it to an apartment <laughs> and that's how we furnished a lot of our place. Is there a shit ton of rats in Boston? Dude, there is the biggest rats I've ever seen in my life. We had this one called Papa Rat. <laughs> so we had a little patio in the back and we had a black lab with Stony Shepherd. He's like a 70 pounder. And one of the rats, Papa Rat, God, God bless him, he's a big man. He was about a foot and a half long, tail included. His body was maybe eight inches. And then his tail was like a foot. He was about the size of a small dog. Watson it's like was the size of a cat. Yeah, Watson was freaked out by him. At one point, he got cornered into the, the patio. A 70-pound dog was cornered by a, maybe a 15-pound rat. <laughs> <laughs> And there's just constantly so many rats in Boston. I think at one point, uh, one of my roommates had one rub his leg. And it was it was big. Oh, it was big. They're just not scared of people, eh? They, don't, they give no shits. If they can live in those minus 20, minus 30 degree winters, people are nothing to them. How long do rats live? Way too long. I don't know. Do you oh. know how long they live? A few years at least. <laughs> That's a ra- I bet it's long. like 15 years. Bro science. This guy's grown to a foot and a half long. Oh, Papa Rat was a big guy. 15 guy's, years? No. That guy's been around. I'm Googling this. Usually smaller now. mammals don't live that long. Papa Rat was something else. He, he could be as old as time itself. <laughs> like It's like, it's oh, like cockroach. He probably lived forever. <clears throat> but yeah, we had a keg reader in Boston. So we started buying kegs for like 55 bucks. And then... Can't find it. We'd ask our, our buddies, because we're all poor, re- really poor students then, so we'd ask our friends, you know, put five bucks in the jar, and you can drink from a keg that night. 
And we, we pretty much funded all our kegs all throughout school. <laughs> and uh, we ended up, our first weekend there, we threw a big party. Well, pretty much I just was pretty drunk at school. And I told everyone <laughs> that we're having a party. And pretty much our first weekend there, or maybe our second weekend there, uh, we had over 100 people in our place. A hundred yeah. and fourteen hundred square feet. Yeah, and a patio. Uh, yep, it was that was how we became known as a party house. There's actually a website I'll show. I can uh, tell you about it after. It's called Club Four Five One at YoloSite.com. Uh, <laughs> it's actually the most ridiculous thing. For our last party ever, I made this douchey website, and it's just all of our parties thrown into one website. <laughs> I can show you. It's so douchey. <laughs> Gonna have a bunch of hits now. Yeah. So uh, rats live for around two years. Papa Rat lived not there in Boston, man. Papa Rat lived there for at least three and a half years. <laughs> How do you know it's the same rat? He was so big. He was noticeably I'm bigger. Pretty than sure the he others. had like a chunk missing from the time Mike threw a brick at him. <laughs> <laughs> bounced off him. Did they <laughs> come in your houses? Uh, no. Maybe mice once or twice. But we were pretty diligent about keeping the gate locked because we didn't want to wake up next to Papa Rat. Oh, terrifying. <laughs> Those things are so ugly. They're frightening. Like, they are frightening. The fact that a 70 pound dog is frightened of it, and he's a, like, you know, a predator. <laughs> he's not a predator, but it's just a lot. Do you think if you cut a rat open, it's like a tree and you just see the layers of how old they're? No. Huh? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you ever tried it? We did get we did kill a few rats. Because <laughs> they were trying to come a here. A few of those bricks what? landed, let's just say that. <laughs> Off the balcony? No, there's a patio, so oh. like ground floor. That's <laughs> boss, it's all bricks. Amazing. How did you have a hundred people in your condo? Well, there's two floors. Um where are these hundred people coming from? You said it was all weekend my classmates. Two? It was, was all like, the optometrists. All the optometrists. And we were just the party house. And then, they like to party? Um, optometrists do like yeah. to party. I, yeah. I've, I've learned that. That was the other reason I got into the career. <laughs> One, to help people. Two, to party. <laughs> what I are think, the optometry conferences like now? Um, they're fun. They like to party. Yeah, I went to one two weeks ago and people like to have fun. Wasn't that in Vegas? Oh, that, was, that, like, that was last year. The one oh. was just in uh, was downtown two weeks ago and that was a lot of fun. It was uh, something else. <laughs> Probably like your real trip conferences. Uh, yeah, I don't go to those. Realtors are interesting. Also, um, <laughs> <clears throat> there's very little education that you need to be a realtor. Mm. You need to skim through <laughs> a book that is the size of the Bible, like 1,400 pages. And write a test that you need to get 65% on, I think. Oh. And that's it. Yeah, a little different than us. It's a little different than med school or optometry school, I think, for sure. Right. <laughs> that's uh, that's going to be a lot different. Just because, like, for us, I think the biggest thing is uh, at these conferences, people bring their staff. Those are the crazy ones. Like, <laughs> the optometrists are crazy as well. Like, we work pretty hard and there's a lot of stress involved in general. But we also like to have fun. That's that's a big thing. That's what that's what life is. Good work life balance, school life balance, work life balance. Life always wins. <laughs> I 
I look back a little bit and I wish I went to a bigger city for school because North Dakota was a good learning experience and very fun. Met some cool people, but it was like a small city. Were you at North Dakota State University? No, North no. Dakota. That's where University Carson Wentz, the greatest quarterback in Eagles history, went. Didn't he only play like one and a half years? He's that good. Because oh, he's <laughs> a baby and got injured. Continue. Is he still injured? Uh, no, he's, I think he's good this year. Didn't Nick Foles beat him out, though? You know, Nick Foles plays for the, Jag- uh, the Jaguars now. Didn't, he, didn't Nick Foles win a Super Bowl? You know, um, it's a team effort. <laughs> I think we were in Seattle together and we saw how good Carson played. Who won that game? I can't remember, man. I had a lot of beers <laughs> that night. People were yelling at me. <laughs> Nav and I went to uh, the Seahawks-Eagles game the year that the Eagles won the Super Bowl. Woo! Is that a year and a half ago? Uh, would have been, yeah, a year and a half ago. December 2017? Yeah. I have one of the funniest videos of all time from that. Carl? <laughs> oh, God. The Seahawks are on like the six-yard line or something, and I start videotaping, and they score a touchdown on that play. And I'm like yelling. <laughs> and the guy behind me is like going crazy. And then I look over and Nav and his face is like this. <laughs> yeah, that was a good video. I, I think the thing. Eagles were like 13 and three that year or something like that. Yep, they were. They were 13 and three and they yep. won the Super Bowl. But one of the games, <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks beat the Eagles. That's true. That is true. <laughs> that was a fun game. <laughs> it was fun for me. I don't know if it was fun for you. Um, I had fun. Anyway, I wish I was at a bigger uh, city for my university experience just because I hear yours and it sounds a lot more exciting and adventurous than mine. I gotta say, there was a lot Even of Even just like having pro sports teams there. Like you talked, you that was you've cool. told me about going to the Red Sox games and stuff like that. Yeah, we lived five minutes from the Red Sox stadium. So we'd wait until, you know, the first inning started and get like tickets to the Yankees and Red Sox for less than 10 bucks. For ten bucks, yeah, and there's uh, there's student tickets, so they actually give you standing room only tickets for ten dollars for majority of the games. And then uh, when I when I got to the Celtics, were actually terrible because they had just traded uh, trade away uh, Garnett and Pierce, so we were paying ten dollars for Celtics tickets constantly. And you catch you like I don't I think we always paid for like whatever nosebleeds in the top because it's so yeah. empty. We just walked down to the bottom. <laughs> at one point, uh, I don't know if you know Kelly Olenek. He he used to yep. live in camp. In Kamloops, and uh, I was seeing row two just yelling out his name constantly until the point where he just told me to stop talking. I understand you're from BC now. <laughs> you're like, Kelly, Kelly, from BC, I'm from BC, Kelly. <laughs> and I yelled at that the entire game and nothing else. And he just kept giving me like a thumbs up until the point where, like, I'm pretty sure they, they, were, they were asking me to leave at that point. I played with him for a few years. Really? He, uh... he was a brown guy from Boston. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? Good for him because he was not good in high school. He was like, I think he grew too fast and he was just super lanky. Because when we played with him, he was 6'4 and he was like pretty average. I think he was tall. No, he he was like 6'4. Well, he grew late then. Yeah, super late. Because we played. 6'10, right? When did we play with him? He's seven feet tall right now. Really? Yeah. He's seven feet? Yeah, dude. I thought he was 6'9, 6'10. He's legit, man. (laughs) Take a chance on a guy like that. But he's doing okay in the NBA. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, yeah. He, he did pretty like he good. Plays, he plays a lot of minutes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, do you see what the Celtics did? One of the playoff games, he was just on fire. It was against the Wizards. Yeah, it was yeah. Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. Where is he right now? Dallas? Is he Dallas? Maybe. Is he? I have no clue. No idea. One of those blue teams. 
Darn good. <laughs> it's one of the that or Honestly, you... Dallas would be an amazing place to play in the NBA. Yeah. Mark Cuban is probably the greatest sports owner of all well, time. They just killed it with uh, the two trades they had with, uh, with uh, what's his name, Porzingis, and then the other young guy they have. I don't know. Carl Luca. This there we go. Yeah, Luca yeah. and Porzingis. They're going to be good next year. Doncic. Got two European guys. We're seven, five minutes into the second quarter. Toronto's up by 12. This is good. This is amazing. Carl says this is a must-win game for the Raptors. 100%. Like they should have won last game too, but then an 18-0 run just kind of... Uh, yeah, that they was the second half. They started so slow in the third quarter. They were just forcing too many threes in the second half. Like yeah. Just such, such quick looks, man. I don't know why. And they just none of them were going in. and just couldn't do it. And it still was like a four-point game yeah. at the end of it. Yeah. So, yeah. Basketball's a weird sport. We were wondering if this would be too distracting, but I don't think it's too distracting. <laughs> no, I think the, it's perfect. <laughs> every 15 minutes, we give a quick update on the game. <laughs> Which you guys have already seen, and the next four games have been played already. <laughs> You're, okay, you, met, you quickly mentioned your last year in med school. Yeah. You traveled basically all school. over. Yeah. Optometry school. Sorry. Sorry, Dr. Sodi. <laughs> <laughs> Can you just talk to me about how crazy and awesome that experience was? Yeah. So, and uh, what cities did you go to again? So, I started in Minneapolis, and uh, so most people don't travel around cities. Like, they go to one city or maybe two, and then stay in Boston for most of it. But I, it's all GPA based. I had a pretty good GPA, so I get kind of like a higher pick. And then I, I was like, you know what? I've lived in Boston for three years. I know I'm going back to Vancouver. Why don't I just, why don't I just live like everywhere I can for a little bit? So, um, pretty good outlook. Yeah, the fir- the first one like was uh, Minneapolis, and I didn't actually choose uh, Minneapolis. There's just one question. This question, like, are you willing to travel to Minnesota for your community health center? And that's like the community health center is like a poor hospital. And I said, sure, why not? And sure enough, I got that spot. <laughs> and I was like, shoot, I went to Minnesota, and it was um, Minnesota was interesting because uh, the clinic we were at was like a very poor uh, Somalian Ethiopian refugee area. Uh, great people, amazing people. Amazing really? In clinic. Minnesota? It's, it's cheap property, and okay. it, they're really inviting there. The people are amazing, so they, they just bring all the refugees there. And um, what's really cool is, like, it was, it, the population was amazing. They were the nicest people, and I saw a lot of rare disease. So it was, it was a good, like, work experience, but living sucked because... I didn't realize what I was doing when I moved there. So I kind of moved to uh, this area called Dinky Town, which is uh, the University of Minnesota campus. And I was like, oh, cool. I'm by university campus. And I was maybe 26 years old at the time. And the building I moved into was really cool. It had, a hot, it had like pools, it had grills, it had like a full fitness center. But I also didn't realize it was known as the freshman building. So everyone <laughs> I talked to was either 18 or 19. So, like, you know, I'm single, I'm living in Minnesota. I go talk to people. And I'm like, hey guys, we'll get a beer on after. And they're like, oh no, like we're not old enough to drink. And I'm like, this is stupid. I'm <laughs> such an I'm the old man on campus. And uh yeah, I lived there and it was it was pretty boring. Like Minnesota, I got to great physical shape and uh, my body had never has never felt better than I was, <laughs> I was in Minnesota. <laughs> I had no friends whatsoever. I had uh my, my best friends were my friends' parents, and they took me out a lot for dinner, so it was pretty <laughs> awesome. They're like my pseudo parents. Uh, that was Minnesota, but then it got pretty crazy after that because in Miami, I was at a hospital out there. And uh, it was pretty much like Monday to Thursday, it was like super smart, 
learning everything I can. But then Friday rolled around and it was Miami lifestyle on a budget. Uh, so pretty much we drink at home heavily and then we go out to these like Miami bars where it's like 30 bucks to drink. Spend nothing because we're poor students. And then uh, wake up on Saturday morning hungover. Go down to the pool or go down to South Beach. Bring our own beer with us because we're poor students. Party all day in South Beach and then recover on Sunday and watch football. Uh, Miami was crazy. It probably took years off my life. I, <laughs> I became friends with my childhood idol, Donovan McNabb. I was going to ask you about that. Uh, it, was, it was actually one of those ridiculous things because one day I showed up wearing an Eagles jersey for one of the football games to this like, local little tiny bar we used to go to. And uh, the guy, AJ, he's the owner of it. He's like, Nav, you're an Eagles fan. I'm like, yeah, dude. And uh, he pretty much was like, you know, Don McNabb comes here like every Friday and Saturday night. I was like, you're fucking shitting me. <laughs> Can I swear on this? It just did, okay? No, you can't fucking swear anymore. Sorry. Uh, yeah, so I was like, you're shitting me, McNabb. Comes here, he's like, yeah. He's like, I'll call you next time he comes here if you don't fanboy. So pretty much I'm like, okay, yeah, okay, you're not going to call me. <laughs> Two days later, because we're there on a Wednesday night, he calls me. He's like, or texts me. He's like, Nev, uh, McNabb's here. Don't fanboy. <laughs> and I sent a picture of this. I'm like, so I should bring both these jerseys because I have two. You McNabb's. have two of them. I have three. Uh, I actually have four. Did you wear one that night? No, I did not wear one that night. I really wanted to. You should have. Uh, but or underneath much, a shirt or a sweater or something. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much, I went there and sure enough, McNabb's there, and he's much larger than I ever imagined. And we start, like, I have a drink, and I start, like, I build the courage. I'm like, hi, Donovan, I'm a big fan of yours. Nice to meet you. He's cool. We have a shot together. I have, like, two or three shots. And then I'm, I'm pretty buzzed at this point because we were drinking anyways. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, hey, Donovan, you're on TV. And he looks at me, and he's like, not cool, man. I look at, I look at the uh, caption, Donovan McNabb fired from ESPN for second DUI. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, God. I didn't read what it said. I just saw you on TV. And then... um. Long story short, pretty much every Friday, well, he, he, every Friday or Saturday, he was there drinking, and I'd pop there, have a quick drink with him, and go do the rest of my night. And he was always kind of creepy. So, how many times did you hang out with him? Probably six, probably six. Yeah, and, I love uh, how Nav introduced this story as. So I made friends with my childhood idol. Yeah, it was but weird. Really, because... you just creeped on your childhood. No, no, idol. no. We had drinks together. <laughs> we we had shots together. It's just weird because like. You see your childhood idol and you're like, oh, this is Campbell's soup boy, amazing quarterback. Then it's like Don McNabb saying like, sending dick pics to your friend. <laughs> and it's just weird. <laughs> it's did? just weird. Oh, yeah. like Yeah. And it's just weird. Because you're like, this is not my childhood idol. This is like <laughs> the guy who got kicked out of his house and it has got his third DOI and is just not the person you think he'd be. And it was like disheartening because I was like, like, yeah, you're cool. But come on, man. You know who I imagine? Imagine if you met like Michael Jordan and Michael Jordan was. Oh, he's not a good guy. Really? No. Dude, there's so many stories. Yeah. So many stories. He's not a good guy. Oh, well. Talk about <laughs> Michael Jordan because my eyes is golden. That's, that's what I felt like. And it was, it was weird. Uh, but then after. after um, it's an interesting thing that you learn when you grow up, though, is that all those people that you think are super special just because they're famous or they're a professional athlete, they're real human beings. They fuck up a lot too. Like they, he's what I would do if I had that much money and that much fame. Who? Is McNabb. I would probably be a massive asshole if I was that much money and fame. That's <laughs> <laughs> real. Really? I, I don't know. I think I'd go over the top the other way. 
Just be like so nice <sighs> to everyone. Uh, no, You're not no. worried about your reputation? Dude, I have all the money and fame. I could just buy a new reputation. No, you can't. I know I can't. <laughs> but, it's a uh, legacy though. Yeah, that's like, true. Tiger Woods has all the money in the world. He can't buy a new reputation. That's true. That's true. But I don't know. I'd... Imagine the ride. Like it'd be fun. I'd be I'd be the worst person with all that all that money. Really? I'd be like Pac-Man Jones. I think I'd be the opposite. You're a good person, Eddie. I just want people to love me. You're a good person. <laughs> I don't know if I can go that way yet. I would like to be a good person, but uh, but yeah, pretty much after Miami was uh, Beverly Hills. That was very different because in Miami I thought I was gonna die every weekend, and then the Beverly <laughs> Hills, and it's just like chill smoking weed relaxing the most casual calm life but like most casual calm life in general and it was kind of nice because my roommate from boston was with me in miami and la so um it was just like amazing the clinic was amazing it was like one of the probably one of the top 10 most successful successful practices in the u.s probably one of the most high-end cities in the in the we were, country, right? practice was in Beverly Hills. Every big celebrity went there. Every big writer, director went there. It that's was, where you worked? Yeah, that's where I worked. I can't what say were who, like the biggest names? I can't say who I saw, right? Because like uh, confidentiality. But uh, it was pretty cool. <laughs> was John Stamos in there? Bigger. <laughs> I'm just totally. The one I can say is Justin Timberlake was there. Why can you say that? Because he had like a huge like thing on the wall saying I'm a patient there. Yeah. Uh. Um, but yeah, like that's like I can't see who was there, but it was really cool. Was Martin Scorsese? I don't know, Denny. <laughs> <laughs> but that was like the coolest thing because the doctor was probably um, one of the most amazing people I've ever met. He is such a good business mind. He was he loved me and Doug, and he was just so inviting to us. And I learned so much there about the business side, which like the disease side, the disease side is great, but the business side you don't learn in school. And he taught me so much about that. That was like one of the most valuable experiences. The last one I was at was um, uh, why don't why don't we learn about that in school? Because the system is flawed. <laughs> isn't that the like? It's more important than the actual education. If isn't they it? taught me about saving, RSPs, taxes, like taxes, that would have been great. It's just it's it's what it is, right? And it's 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 stupid. Like I'm never gonna have to use like a integer function or a parabola bell curve or whatever it's called and i don't even know what that means i don't know what it means they're saying words that sound smart <laughs> that's how i get through work every day but <laughs> but if they just like skip that and just give, like here's one financial savings course or how to you know stay up for a house in vancouver that's what we need especially in like medical field what percentage of doctors go through med school and eventually open up their own practice it's hard to say, depending on this on the type of specialty, but the ones that open it up, that's where you make your real money, right? But that's what nobody teaches you until you yeah, actually. We do had it. one business course, and uh, it was it was okay. Like I, it just taught me the basics. Whereas this one rotation of Beverly Hills, I learned so much more about just how to interact with patients and how to talk and how to how to do the business side. It was so beneficial to me. Nav treated uh, Joe Rogan. I did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just I throwing wish. out names just to get a reaction. <laughs> um, and last one, oh yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. La last last one was in New York. I was in Long Island. Um, had zero friends there. I was staying in a building built in the 30s. Um, I, I had a York. twin bed that broke every other night. 
So I'd wake up in the middle. It was like this. It was on a veterans hospital. So like, um, like a veterans hospital is where the veterans go. And then there's a hospital there where I was working. And then there's also a rehab facility for people addicted to drugs post-war. So it was kind of interesting because I'd walk around my area and I'd run to a lot of like recovering drug addicts, which was like, they're nice people, but sometimes there's some very weird conversations and Long Island's very uh, right-wing. So that, and Trump had just got elected. So they weren't the nicest people. Hmm. Um, actually, that was probably the only place in the States where I experienced any racism was in Long Island, New York, which is weird because New York's like a blue state, but Long Island. It's so multicultural too. But Long Island's a little bit further Maybe, out, right? Yeah, and that's okay. just like uh, rich white people. But it is. And uh, like, especially like a lot of money, rich people. That's like where the Hamptons and everything else is. Um, the hospital itself was okay. I didn't, I didn't learn anything because at that point it, it was, uh, <laughs> I already knew everything I was doing and it was just seeing these routine patients. Um, but it was a cool experience. Every weekend I'd go to Manhattan and just stay with friends from Friday till Sunday. And then go back to my place with the broken bed every day. And literally, I'd be sleeping there on this twin bed. I'm 6'2", and this bed is about... The bed itself is six feet long, so my feet hung off every night. And it was built... The bed itself was probably built in the 60s. And it's like planks. And every night, the planks would give away. Or every other night. And I'd just like wake up and just crash down. And I was like, this is terrible. Because you wake up, you're like, oh god, I'm dying. I'm fucking dying. And sure enough, it's... Um, that's what it is. <laughs> where'd you, uh, where'd you learn the business side of it? Or are you currently learning the business well, side of it? I, Obviously I, the LA office was, that a, was the, a good spot for you. I, I think for me, the biggest thing was, uh, when I f- was first trying to figure out where to go to school, uh, I, w- I was working in a clinic and I was kind of lucky that I worked in every single aspect of the clinic. So I kind of mm-hmm. taught myself a lot of things and I, I was big on just learning everything because I think I was 21. My brain was a sponge back then. And you learn so much. I just tried to gain all the knowledge I could. And then um, went to school. And then the Beverly, Hill, Beverly Hills Clinic was big. And then actually the clinic I'm at now, uh, when I was in my third year, so 20, the second year, my tw- in 2014, I actually worked for him in the summer. And uh, he, he is a really strong business mind as well. Uh, so he... I kind of just watched what he was doing. And it was so different than every clinic I've ever been to that to that point. Because he kind of, um, it's it's very medically oriented. You see the clinic, it's very medically oriented, but it's also very customer experience driven. We yeah. kind of base ourselves like Harry Rosen or the Ritz where we're really high end. We're going to offer the best care possible. Oh, Steph's hurt. Uh, we're going to offer the best care possible. But we're also still a medical office so it was an interesting place and i learned a lot of business from those three spots so uh and then i'm, I'm just constantly trying to learn there's business books i pick up do that that program at harvard business school right now and um it's just i'm trying to learn as much as i can and it's, it's hard because sometimes uh you tr- like the way i'm used to learning is from books and from that but then you you actually told me this yourself was uh what you want to do is actually learn from people and that's I have to say that is the best place to learn is from people, especially people not even in my industry. Uh, people in my industry are great, but people in other industries, the more you learn from them, the more you can apply it. Um, like Manny, for example, one of our friends, he's been great from the, on the business aspect because I hang out with him so much. And he's always giving me new ideas or new ways to think about things. What I'm learning is just so much of, it doesn't matter what industry you're in, yeah. the knowledge is transferable Absolutely. across the board, right? 
Like, of course, to be an optometrist or like some sort of medical field, you need a lot of base knowledge. Yep. You need to know. You need to know a lot of things in order to treat patients. But from the business side of it, it's completely transferable across the board. Absolutely. And the thing is, like, what I learned is, uh, like, realistically, within about a year or two outside school, you've kind of seen the majority of what you're going to see. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you get these rare patients every now and then, but I'm sure, like refer it out if i see something really messed up i'm like oh you get this like condition that's like i'm not going to treat you i'm essentially refer you over to like the specialist who deals with it every day right uh so it's really you're just i'm a more of a primary care so like you come to me for all your usual concerns if i see something crazy i'll refer you out but then like that you see the, like by a year i was like i've seen pretty much everything now now it's a business side like how can i build myself up as like both as myself as a um, kind of entity, you could say, uh, like a business entity, and then the business itself, because that, that's the biggest thing. Aren't people referring stuff to you right now, though? There, there are. There's, there's certain things like dry eye disease is what I'm doing a lot. I mean, dry like, eye disease. Yeah, it's like what does uh, that mean? It's like you know, like, so I'll explain it in the term of pain. So you know, like sometimes you break your arm and you have pain. And then, you know, some people have chronic pain where, like, they wake up and right when they wake up, they're in pain and they live through pain all day. It's kind of the same thing with dry eyes. Uh, the eyes are meant to be covered in a layer of tears. So uh, some people, their eyes feel a little dry and put some drops in, it's fine. Some people, every blink hurts. Every single time they're blinking, every time they're at work on the computer, they're in, like, 9 out of 10 pain. Some of my patients have to stop working because their eyes hurt so much. Because uh, it sounds crazy, but it's a it's a big area. Uh, but it, it like every single blink hurts, and you blink like you know sixteen times a minute on average. So it's just tough, and every single time you're just feeling this pain, this constant burning and itching and watering. Uh, so we we actually have some special treatments we do uh, that target that. You're the dry eye specialist. We can't say the word specialist, but uh, we do a lot more dry than most people in Vancouver, and we I think we do it really well. Uh, people are always kind of surprised. The one biggest thing in, in healthcare is when you see a young doctor, you get kind of nervous. Like, I do too. I was being referred for my knee surgery, and the, like the doctor, she's like 35. I'm like, oh, she's kind of young. And I'm even younger than that. Is and 35 young? I don't know. Like, if I was a doctor, you'd probably been practicing five years, right? But do you want to see a really old school guy that used to use technology where they just like that's didn't the, even have x-ray machines? That's what I that's, that's what I kind of feel like because uh, I've had my I've seen a lot of old doctors, young doctors and that's how I feel. It's like do I really want to see the old guy or someone who's up to date with the latest technology? And a lot of patients think like, oh, you're young. You may not know what you're talking about. But as soon as they talk to me they're like, wow, this is like, you've helped me more than any doctor I've seen in the past five years. Just because that's one area we know really well. And I do a lot of research in it. I'm constantly learning about it. And even though like, they have their hesitations at first, as soon as they meet me, they're much better. And that's awesome. the hardest thing about message is getting over the whole, they think I'm young, so they don't listen to me type thing. Obviously, my industry is very different. Yeah. <laughs> but, even still, but still, the <clears throat> the technology has changed so much in medicine in the last 15, 20 years, right? Yeah. So much. Yeah. So and- the guy that guy girl whoever that is 65 that's been practicing for 40 years probably doesn't understand that stuff as well as someone who's 35 uh 
there's probably there's probably differences. Yeah. Uh, there probably is differences. Uh, I, I gotta say for sure. Like sometimes I'm like some of the technology we have, it's just it actually images it to micron. So I can look at this nerve and be like, damn, that's if I had this years ago, it'd be amazing. Um, but people don't know how to use it, how to read it, which gets a little exactly. tough. Um, the level of care is always there, but it's um, it's always fluctuating. <coughs> Carl, do you wear contacts? I used to. I had the lace, the laser eye surgery. Uh, now, do you have LASIK or PRK? <clears throat> P- PRK. That's the one at London Eye Center. Yeah. What I, one thing I would say, just for anyone listening, uh, always do PRK over LASIK. Uh, I do a lot of post-op exams, and PRK is probably the best surgery to do it. What's the difference between the two? So PRK is just laser. It's touchless, right? So, so sort of. Uh, so with LASIK, mm-hmm. what you do is you actually cut into the yeah, cornea, make a flap, and then you burn away the cornea. PRK is not technically touchless. You actually scrape the entire top layer off, then burn the cornea, and then wait for the cornea to reheal. PRK came out in the 80s. LASIK came out in the 90s. PRK came out. We're like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, then LASIK came out. We're like, this is even better because it's instant. Like, you wake up. You're like, Damn, I can see. And then uh, pretty much after about 20 years, we got the 20-year results right, for right. both. And we saw that LASIK had more dry eye, more halos, more glare. And more regression. Mm. So now everyone, everyone has switched back to Pacific. Uh, PRK. Uh, and the, the surgeons I, I recommend most of my patients going to, they're all great. Uh, I usually recommend Pacific Laser Eye Centers. Nice. Uh, but it, it's just they, they switched over maybe seven or eight years ago because the results are so much better in retouching. In the long term. Yeah. Because that recovery sucks, man. The recovery sucks. Like, but at the same time, like a week or two of shitty, it's worth it, yeah. of shitty vision is great for how you, how you can see now. And I always tell my patients... Um, like yeah, it, like actually, no one's doing LASIK anymore, anyways. But no one's doing it anymore, really. Like, like they do it, but they don't recommend it. But uh-huh. I would never recommend it. But like yeah, your recovery is longer in PRK, but it's your eyes. So spend more and go to the best people. And it's like two, three days longer. That's it. Yeah. Like it's. But spend more and go to the best people because it's your eyes. If you can do something, do it right the first time, and uh, it, it makes a big difference. What was your recovery like, huh? Um. It just it's just lots of pain. Your eyes hurt pain. a lot. But they give you like pain drops and it helps a lot. Yeah. But like you would wake up in the middle of the night not using them after a while and it'd be awful. Really? Yeah. And you're just in a dark room for like three days. Yeah, that's what I was telling patients. Like, you know, if you have any plans, like take the week off work and the yeah. first three days, you're not gonna want to look at your cell phone or your your Netflix or anything. You're right. just sit in the dark and do nothing. What do you do? Nothing. No, recover, dude. Audiobooks. You audiobooks. You three do. days, you're just listening to Crying. podcasts. Three yeah. days. Because <laughs> I, I was at negative five and a quarter, so. Yeah. Uh, anything about four, I always say just go for it. Like, yeah. You'll be so happy when you do it. That's uh, good to hear. Under four, eh, like under three, I'm always like, it's not really worth it, but three and higher, absolutely. And I love doing post-op exams. It's probably one of my favorite types of uh, exams. This post-op PRKs and surgeons you work with are just so happy. They're so good. You did an exam on me recently. I didn't do an exam on you, but oh. <laughs> I, I checked your vision and you're like seeing perfect. I'm like, all right, Denny, you win this. You win this bet. <laughs> Denny kept telling me he has perfect 2020 vision. I never said it was perfect. I just said, oh, but Denny what sees I see is pretty clear. Significantly better than 2020. Denny has like my vision, which is 2010, which is significantly better than 2020. So you can like see through things, right? More or less. <laughs> More or less, Denny can see through all of us, all of us right now. <laughs> it's quite interesting, actually, because obviously you only have your own experience to go from. 
and there's like days or times when like one eye is blurry because you scratch and like whatever yeah but you don't actually know what it's supposed to be like right it's funny because sometimes people come in with like your type of vision where there's they've always seen better than 2020 and like yeah things are blurry now and i look i'm like okay well now you're just seeing how everyone else sees (laughs) so like yeah you're still seeing great dude like you still have perfect vision there's no prescription i can give you and it's crazy because some people um they come in and they think their vision is perfect. And then I give them these glasses and they're like, oh, like those are the trees in the mountains. <laughs> like that's they... exact. Okay. That's what Lauren said when she walked yeah. out of your office. <laughs> <laughs> she, <laughs> she walks out. Nav put, Nav did an exam and put contacts in her eyes. She walks out and she's like, oh, that's what a mountain's supposed to look like. I can <laughs> see the definition of the trees. And I look at her. I was like, what'd you see before? <laughs> just like, a green oh, blur. Just look like a green blob. you don't know what you don't know and that's that's the crazy thing and i can't relate to that i can't be like oh i understand because they've always looked like trees to me i don't know what does 2020 mean so 2020 is like this old way of doing it but essentially it means that uh, at 20 feet you see what the average person sees at 20 feet so for example 2050 means uh at 50 feet you would see what someone sees at 20 feet so it's worse exactly uh the other way around sorry other way around Mm -hmm. Uh, so at at 20 feet, you can see what the average person can see at 50 feet. So Denny can see what the average person can see at 10 feet? At 20 feet. But then that would yes, be... exactly. So if something's standing 10 feet in front of you, yeah, I can see it as clear as you at 20, at 20 feet. feet. Right, right. right. 10 okay. feet further away. Further away. It's like this old way of doing it, but uh, it's kind of the easiest way for people to understand it. And there's other ways we can say it, but that's the easiest way for everyone to generally understand people never understand what 2020 means right, right, but right. they know you know good. it's good yeah yeah what's the most scientific way of expressing vision it's this thing called the etdrs chart uh it gives it like a logmar value which looks it's like logmar is like a every value is defined a shape based on size and then uh it, it's really confusing but Let's just use 2020 because it's easier for everyone Because <laughs> me explaining it would take 20 minutes. And people will be like, what are you talking about? This is... Go back to the talk about drinking and partying now. <laughs> Not talking about log Mars. Okay, let's wrap up. It's uh, almost halftime. We want our second half and order some food because I'm hungry. Yeah, I could eat pizza. Nav, I love you. Love Thanks you for coming me. on the show. <laughs> if people need their eyes checked, how do they get in contact with you? Uh, oh, that's a good question. You can Google Nav Sodi. Uh, NAV like like navigation and SODI <laughs> like S-O-D-H-I and Lynn Valley Optometry shows up or much more easier you can go to lynnvalleyoptometry.com and uh, ask for Nav SODI Nav's was, the best call oh, him Dr. SODI though at the office because oh, the yeah. girls at the front desk get very confused if you ask for <laughs> Nav so Dr. SODI is there Nav I love you I love Thanks you for too, on, buddy We'll have a round two. I feel like there's so much more. So <laughs> much more to two go. of these like 20 points on here. <laughs> and next time we'll, uh, we'll do some more drinks too. <laughs> I like it. Go Raptors. Go Raptors. And Celtics. And Eagles. <laughs> I can just keep saying team name. <laughs>